Hi, I'm Rob, and this is another episode of Rewind and Review. As always, I'm joined by Jason, my Rewind and Review co-host. And together, we make our very own in-house Timon and Pumbaa. I'm Timon. You're not. Uh, welcome, everybody, to what is essentially the first half of our podcast double. We've got a guest producer, Matty, um, and he's our very own button-pushing hornbill. Rewind and Review is the podcast where we have a look at an existing property from the past, delve into its legacy, discuss how it has held up over time, and even give our own personal experiences. Did we watch it as a kid or sometime later in our lives? Yeah. So the first half of this podcast, Double, uh, this episode of Rewind and Review, we'll take a look at this film as it celebrates its 25th anniversary this year in 2019. The second half of this podcast, Double, this double feature, uh, will be covered by that film stew as they uh, they take on the photorealistic computer animated remake. Podcast synergy. Absolutely. And a lot of me. All of the Jason. So that's something to be excited about. Um, wow. <laughs> but we are here in this episode talking about the one and only original. Yep. As Rafiki so wisely says, the past can hurt, but you can either run from it or learn from it. That was not an impression, although I put a voice on. <laughs> you did. So let's see what we can learn as we rewind to 1994. We have to go back! Go back, Sam! What year is it? Are you telling me you built a time machine? You know what? In 1994, we got films like Pulp Fiction, The Shawshank Redemption, and Forrest Gump. But it all doesn't matter because Disney gave us The Lion King. Walt Disney Animation Studios was thriving in its renaissance period with movies such as The Little Mermaid, The Rescuers Down Under, Beauty and the Beast, and Aladdin already under their belt. Then came an animated feature that for the longest time, the studio thought had no chance of succeeding. Alright, spoiler warning of course, um, but if you have not seen The Lion King, please let us know because we don't actually believe you exist. <laughs> um, directed by Roger Allers and Rob Minkoff, The Lion King is the 32nd Disney animated feature film, uh, which takes us to an African kingdom of lions and follows Simba, a young lion who is to succeed his father, Mufasa. Um, as king of the Pride Lands. After Simba's paternal uncle Scar murders Mufasa, Simba (laughs) every time. Simba (laughs) is manipulated into thinking he was responsible and flees into exile. Mm. Upon growing up unconventionally with a meerkat and warthog duo, Timon and Pumbaa, Mm. uh, Simba is given some valuable perspective from his childhood friend Nala and the wise Rafiki before returning to challenge Scar to end his tyranny and take his place as the rightful king in the great circle of life. The circle of life. Very nice. Uh, the Lion King was developed in, uh, was in development sorry, since 1988, with production starting concurrently with Pocahontas in 1991, uh, with Pocahontas attracting many of Disney's top animators. Um, there was a lack of faith in the audience appeal of a movie about lions, believe it or not, um, with Disney heads wanting to focus their resources on Pocahontas 
um, and disagreements on what the Lion King was going to be led to multiple rewrites. Um, and even the stepping down of George Scribner um, as director after the decision was made to turn the film into a musical. Uh, Rob Minkoff took over as director with Don Hahn uh, joining the project as producer. The script and story was rewritten one last time. And there you go. Uh, yeah, so as the film took shape with the vibrant colours of the animation sequences, a larger-than-life combination of characters and voice work, mm -hmm. and original songs written and produced by composer Elton John and lyricist Tim Rice, and a score by Hans Zimmer, Disney heads were starting to realise they had something special. Upon release, The Lion King received universal positive reactions, but it wasn't without several controversies. Absolutely, but we'll get to all of that. Jason, what does The Lion King mean to you? Mate, you just sit back and... Yeah. <laughs> sit, sit me coffee um, and, and settle in. I, I have no idea when I first watched this movie. Um, it's just always existed. I mean, I know it hasn't, but... Yeah, That's because you were our child. I was a right. child, very small. My cub, myself. In terms of traditional Disney animated movies, this is the number one for me. And I think it oh. would be for a lot of people. Cool. You know, like, we recently did uh, Toy Story, but you mm. know, that's in the realm of Pixar, so I'll let yeah. that be its own thing. Traditional animated Disney. Okay, yeah. The Lion King, man. So... That's a spoiler for my rating already. <laughs> um, I, of course, had the VHS. Yeah. The, I've got the DVD now. I haven't got the Blu-ray. All my Disney cartoons are on... Actually, it's the wife's DVD, I'll be honest. But they're, <laughs> I'll collect, it's all DVD, so I haven't quite yet broken that mold. So, yeah, we haven't gone to Blu-ray yet, but anyway, they're relevant. Archaic, um, mate. And I had the soundtrack on CD. I actually had the soundtrack, wow. yeah. Um, I watched the sequels, I watched the Timon and Pumbaa TV series, um, I tried to watch the new, the newer TV series, but it didn't really work for me. Yeah. Um, I remember playing the video game on Super Nintendo, I've been to the live stage musical show, and oh my god, that was incredible. Yeah. Um, even went to the cinema to watch The Lion King in 2011, uh, for its 3D re-release. Wow. Probably one of the best 3D movies I've ever seen. Just... The layers, man. The layers of the art I didn't of the screen. It. Oh, it's so beautiful. Oh, oh my gosh. Hurts me. And The Lion King is special enough to both me and my wife that we included an, the Elton John's version of Can You Feel the Love Tonight in our wedding. And Rob, you were there. I was there. If you can remember that. I can. So he confirms. Yeah, that's yeah, a true it's, story. Yeah, it's a real, it's a real thing, people. It's a real thing. Um, my wife, beautiful even, stuff. My wife even has a Simba tattoo um, on her wrist. Yes, she does. I don't have a Lion King tattoo. I Why not? Because I, I, I got my Woody one. I was like, that's enough Disney <laughs> for me. So. No way. But um, yeah, no, that's that's the Lion King. That's right. Your wife's got the... Um, I'm all about the Lion King. I'm on board. Um, <laughs> your, your wife's got Rafiki's picture, doesn't she? Yeah, the, yeah. so the like the painting yeah, the thing, of, finger painting of whatever Simba. it is of Simba. Yeah, with the... Of baby Simba. But baby as, Simba. Yeah. Cool. Well, me, I watched this as a kid when it came out. Very... Remember roughly the first time I watched this. I think it was like nine or ten years old, thereabouts, something like that. Young. I didn't watch it in um, cinemas though. This was one of those movies that because I had a quite a large family, this one was always just kind of always playing. So I've watched this movie bucket loads. It was always there is like no in the number, background. Right? Yeah, there is no, no number that I can put to it. I saw the stage show in London in 2012. Oh, on, on the West End. Yeah, is that what they call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the wife and I were on a trip over there, and we we went and had a look. 
I was just, it was mind blowing. It was incredible. So amazing, right? Yeah, like... absolutely. Um, and then I, I have to admit, I didn't get. There's a lot. This movie's got a lot of puns and a lot of little jokes. I didn't quite get some of them when I was a kid, but watching it now as an adult, mm. it's quite a little bit of an appreciation, especially Zazu's lines and the hyenas, but we'll talk about all of that later. I was unaware that this was a movie um, with Zimmer. I didn't really, so I'm a Hans Zimmer fan, but that's really something that's only evolved over the last, say, f- half a decade. Yeah. And I always thought that this was like a very Randy Newman-esque movie. And Elton John did the score for it, as well as writing some of the key songs. I think songs. a lot of people always go to Elton John and Tim Rice as being the ones behind the music. Yeah, they are, they but will... only the song, only the the lyrics, lyric, lyrical songs. Oh, the songs, yeah, yeah, like the songs. <laughs> but the score itself, like that's all Zimmer had no idea. And then I was pleasantly surprised when I found out that was part of his um, back catalogue. So. And isn't it amazing? Yeah, absolutely. So I don't have any tattoos. I would be willing to get one, but I'd get one with Jurassic Park first before I got them. Oh, yeah. you know what? I'm going to get the actual the T-Rex logo of that one. Day. I want to beat you to that. I'm going to get that Oh, first, no. Just no, to put no. you off getting it so we don't have the same tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, gonna, <laughs> I'm getting one done tomorrow. Um, cool. So that's you know that's my my uh, background with it. I saw it again this morning, um, but I unusually for me, this is actually one of the ones I have seen quite recently, quite a lot of times. So yeah. I think the last time I saw it was only a couple of years ago. I did do a rewatch as well myself. I you know like I was like, do I need to rewatch this? Um, this is the first movie we've come across where I'm like, I don't. We need. know this one. Yeah, I mean we probably didn't need to rewatch Jurassic Park. I probably didn't need to rewatch oh, Toy Story. But, but sometimes it's also just. The excuse to watch it. The excuse to watch it, yeah. Not that we need one. We're adults. We have that freedom. (laughs) But long-time listeners will also be aware that almost half of our movie (laughs) I haven't actually seen. So, but, you know. They're aware. They know. There's a whole thing that people have... It's enlightening for me, this process. (laughs) I really enjoy it. All right, let's talk about this film's legacy. Um, Box office budget stuff. Had a budget of 45 mil, which is quite a lot for a 1994. Well, it started in 89 production, so... It's a lot. Yeah. It's a long production. Probably won't cost so much. It made a massive return of $968.5 million globally, which is incredible. You know, when this movie was in production, mm. they were thinking, there were thoughts that this movie was not going to break $50 million. Well, that's why they that's why they focus on Pocahontas. Yeah. Well, well that, this was their B movie, I guess, as they refer to it. Like, it started as like, oh, it's just, you know, like something interesting, maybe like a National Geographic type thing with a story. Yeah. And, uh, wow. (laughs) They were wrong. I mean, it ended up being the highest grossing film worldwide. Of that year? Of that year, in 1994. But it was the second highest grossing of all time at the time, which was behind our beloved Jurassic Park. (laughs) Our beloved. (laughs) (laughs) So that would make it the highest grossing traditionally animated film as well yes um and it's also considered well it is the best-selling film on home video um of course critical acclaim as we mentioned as i mentioned um praise for its music the story and the animation yeah it did also draw several controversies Uh um we will get into more detail with it but just break it down a little bit the similarities to the 1960s anime series Mm -hmm. um kimba the white lion the negative portrayal of hyenas and potentially a little slip of the word sex I, on I love, screen. I love these stories how, like, in some of this re- the Renaissance era Disney, there's these little snippets of things. Yeah, like the little moment, I think, on the poster there was, like, a 
penis palace or something and something like that yeah and like there's a few other things there's something like rescue treasure is, planet it's a rescue rescue's down under there's like there's that naked, naked woman. woman yeah but yeah the animators just put little cheeky things in there and it's cheeky bastards it. but uh, whether that's a true one we'll talk about it later mm. uh, Rotten Tomatoes go, gives us a 93% um, average of 8.39 out of 10 based on 126 reviews Meta Cricket give it 83 out of 100 and cinema score give it an A plus surprisingly the coveted A plus grade <laughs> the internet says that's very rare and I'm like but we've done so many movies that have been yeah. given that A plus because we just choose the good ones mm. um, two Academy Awards for best original score obviously Hans Zimmer as we mentioned and best original song Can You Feel the Love Tonight mm. can you? I can can you feel it? I can feel in it in your loins <laughs> Yes, yes, Jason, I can. Um, Golden Globe Award for Best Motion Picture, Musical or Comedy. Yeah. One. <laughs> Good work, guys. Um, and in 2016, you know it, the film Yay. was selected for preservation in the United States National Film Registry by the Library of Congress as being culturally, historically, yeah. or that's aesthetically significant. So, that's three in a row. I think that's three in a row. <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, what's our, we know what our next movie is. Is it? Oh, is it? We'll find we'll out. Find- <laughs> There's a nice little tease for the next episode. Um, but no, it was the Toy Story was and Forrest Gump was. Yeah. Yeah. And so now, Lion King, which is not a surprise. Uh, you may, some may not actually be aware of this. Some of these facts were a little bit new to me. The Lion King first expanded with the characters of Timon and Pumbaa, um, with a starred in an animated short, Stand By Me. Haven't seen that. However, the next one, Lion King's Timon and Pumbaa, had an animated series that ran for three seasons. It's like 85 episodes or something like that. Between 1995 and 1999, I did see that. Did you see the direct-to-video film Around the World with Timon and Pumbaa? No, I did not. Wow, cool. Hang on, was there ever any crossovers with other Disney characters? But I don't know, maybe. Like Little Mermaid. I feel like I've seen an episode of Tomato Pumba with Little Mermaid's crab Could in be. It. I can't say I've, I haven't seen the majority. I, I remember watching the odd episode Saturday Disney or something like yeah. that. But Well, maybe it was just a Little Mermaid cartoon. But anyway, I remember seeing There Sebastian was a Little the- Mermaid cartoon, though. Yeah. So, so maybe they played at the same time. I just think I've seen Sebastian alongside Timon somehow. Anyway, there's a sequel. Lion King 2, Simba's Pride, which is a direct-to-video uh, that came out in 1998. I remember what... I think I've only seen it once. My primary school had... Right. In our in our library, there were a couple movies that were on VHS and you could borrow them from the library mm. for free. The Lion King 2 was one that was there and I borrowed it a lot. <laughs> just because it was a movie and I didn't have to pay for it. Well, so well, I watched it a lot. <laughs> so the plot was that Simba and Nala's daughter fall in love with a male lion who looked like Scar, basically. Yeah, it was one of... Kovu, yeah, one of Scar's followers yeah. who were called the Outsiders. Yeah. So it was sort of like, where were these characters in the first movie? It sort of kind of retconned a few things. Hmm. But interesting tidbit, the development of Scar, he was originally developed as a um as a an outsider himself, not an actual yes, blood brother. Someone so who's like a in. rogue lion. Yeah. And he's just kind of hanging around. So that's why it was a bit more of a like it works if you look at a normal pride dynamic. <laughs> Usually, there's only one male, which actually raises a few eyebrows if you think about how who. Um, yeah, it's probably best who Nala's dad would be. But anyway, <laughs> think about that. Sorry, kids. Um, but yeah, so um, the original character was meant to be separate, and that's why he is aesthetically different. Yeah. But then that was that would tie, that's tied it in afterwards. So just for that lineage and stuff like <laughs> just that. Just for the lineage. Like looking at that plot for that sequel. I mean, there's outsiders that could have been 
you know, part of that. But, Where you know, Scar really came yeah, from, I guess. Because yeah. <laughs> they look like him. Uh, yeah. Black hair and stuff. So. <laughs> the dark lines are the bad ones. Whoa. <laughs> um, there was a prequel or a midquel. I remember this one. This was good. Um, the Lion King one and a half or the Lion King three Hakuna Matata. Yeah. That's what it was called. Um, it was a 2004 direct-to-video movie as well. It basically showed how Timon and Pumbaa met each other and also as a parallel narrative depicts what the characters were retconned to have done during the events of the original movie. Yeah. They I thought it was clever. They had a lot of fun with doing that, having mm. things going on in the background and Timon and Pumbaa just being ignorant. Buzzing to stuff. It, yeah. yeah, like... Major plot points of the original. Like, I remember it being a pretty fun mm. movie. And I've got these on DVD as well. Yeah. I, mean, I haven't I'd, watched them in a long time. But. I saw that when it came out, but I haven't seen it. I think I've seen it once, but it was maybe twice. But yeah, I can barely remember it, but I know that was it was fun. Um, there was The Lion Guard, which is the new animated TV series. Uh, mm-hmm. Two seasons, 55 episodes, and one pilot. It's set between the time gap within The Lion King 2. Right. Simmer's Pride. So, cool. you've got, Na- uh, what's her name, Kiara as, and, a, as a cub. And then, COVID. during the movie, it jumps forward in time when they're older. So, it's set between after she's like a cub. and yeah. So, she's born. And it focuses on like, there's another brother. Oh. Simba's other son, or Simba's son, yeah, I guess, um, who's younger than Kiara. Very confusing stuff. But okay. this kid isn't born in this. I don't know. It's crazy. He doesn't even. He's not in the movie. So it doesn't make sense. Anyway, no. the it first aired as a television film titled "The Lion Guard: Return of the Raw" in 2015, hmm. um, before airing as a series in 2016. It's really um, recent. A second television film aired during the second season called The Lion Guard, The Rise of Scar. That's very interesting. Ooh, and there is a third season coming in August. So that's amazing because it's current. That's a, a current it's happening. Lion King it's happening. canon happening right now. Yeah. What yeah. else is currently happening? <laughs> well, apparently, you may have heard, actually, to be honest, we've been cheeky. You may have probably seen this movie by you yeah. listening to this you've um, watched it haven't you it is it is out right now um there is a photorealistic computer animated remake uh currently being released um in july 2019 um, as we are recording this called the lion king um it's directed by john favreau who did iron man and the jungle book more importantly is the jungle book for photorealistic animation of animals so they're doing the same thing stars donald glover as simba um or childish gambino depending on what medium you like stars Beyonce as Nala or Beyonce depending on which medium you like <laughs> um, and James Beyonce L. Jones Beyonce Knowles Carter <laughs> and James L. Jones reprises his role as Mufasa Mufasa Woo-hoo. Mufasa Woo-hoo. <laughs> um, of course there was the Broadway musical which we touched on earlier as well um, I guess it's just called The Lion King Musical <laughs> Yes. That's what it's called, yeah? Yeah. Uh, it debuted in July on July 8th in 97 in Minneapolis, Minnesota, directed yep. by Julie Taymor and produced by Disney Theatrical Productions. The musical features actors in elaborate animal costumes and complex puppetry. It's really cool. Zazu looks amazing. He flies around. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's divided into two acts and has music by Elton John and lyrics by Tim Rice. What a surprise. Um, along with the musical score by Hans Zimmer. Um, several changes... And additions to the storyline uh, happen as well, as well as adding some extra songs as well. Although I do remember it, it's generally, it's the same thing, really. And the new songs, oh, there wasn't yeah. that many. Yeah, but There's like still. The Morning Report, there's He Lives In You. There's some good stuff. There's oh, some good He stuff. Lives In You, that's right. Such a good song, man. He Lives, yeah. Oh, I hope they put that in the new movie. 
Oh, fingers crossed. Um, it premiered on Broadway on October 15th, 1997. It is still running. It is the, uh, currently Broadway's third longest running show in history. Um, it debuted in London's West End on October 19, 1999. And mm. it is still running there as well. Yep. Um, international productions have been produced. Hence why it's here. It came here. And in total, it has grossed nearly $8.1 billion as Jeez. of 2017, becoming the top-earning title in box office history for both stage productions and films. It's ridiculous. Nothing else has generated that much revenue at a box office. Incredible. That's why I recommend if you ever get the chance to see it, ladies and gentlemen, go see it. The Lion King. <laughs> I think the girl who plays young Nala in... This in the new in the new one, he's actually a stage actor from one, oh, of, the, really? one, of, the, one of the recent productions. Yeah. Ooh. So, moving forward, video games. There were I haven't played any of these, but there was three video games based on Lion King, um, released in '94. There were three versions of the game, like three different uh, games. So there was one that was on the PC, the Amiga, the SNES, and the Sega Mega Drive or the Genesis. Yeah. Um, the second one was on the Game Boy. Yeah. And the third one was on the Master, Master System and Game Gear. Yeah. Right. Which one did you play? The Super Nintendo one. Yeah, right. Cool. I didn't play any. I remember seeing them, but anyway. Yeah, so much fun. Um, there were some later games. There's so a Timon and Pumbaa's Jungle Games, which was released in 1995. <laughs> Take that as well. Good times. <laughs> Lion King's Simba's Mighty Adventure, which is in, released in 2000. And Kingdom of Hearts features Simba as a reoccurring um, summon. And there's a playable Pride Lands world featured in Kingdom Hearts 2. Now, this is where we talk about the impact of the movie yeah. on the genre, the industry. Mm. I think in terms of Disney animated films, can we just say this is the bar? This was the bar. This is the bar. Any movie that comes out after this was trying to reach... Are you this. talking from a technical point of view or just general, holistic point of view? As an overall yes. package. Then this is the bar. If you're talking about technical elements, I'd say some of the later ones have got... Like, it's more polished, but that's just what happens with progress. But yeah, holistically, I'd say, yeah, this is the bar. It doesn't get any better. This is it. This was it. This was it. It's not going to be beaten because... Because traditional animations are really not a thing anymore. So They should go back. I miss it. It's like 1%. Do a special movie. <laughs> yeah. Have not have let's not have Princess and the Frog be the last one, please. <laughs> just that they, please there's Disney. no such thing as traditional animators anymore. <laughs> did they all die? Where did they go? They all learn how to use the computer. They've all, all been relegated to uh, the Simpsons writing room or something. Uh, they all work at Fox. They're all, all in the Fox, Fox department, that's uh, where they are. Um <laughs> This was interestingly marketed as Disney's first original animation. Liars. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. <laughs> An original concept, basically. Not based on any previously published fairy tale or literary yeah. work. We'll get... Yeah, we'll yeah, get to yeah, we'll um, <laughs> it. Does have they, did, they did say that it was influenced Animators, so. uh, story writers, they have all come out and said, oh, yeah, like, we... <laughs> they openly said, this isn't a secret, like, they have... They took influences from things such as Ben-Hur, King Arthur, Old Testament Tales... Uh, Moses, Shakespeare, yeah. um, Betelheim, the Osarian family myths of ancient Egyptian mythology, um, even referring it to, as, uh, referring to it as Bambi in Africa, yeah. which and of course, it, which <laughs> so damn relatable, and of course, Hamlet. Hamlet. So it's like it's Bambi in Africa through the lens of Hamlet. 
<laughs> basically. Yeah. Is how I'd sum this movie. That's our rewind and review. Thank you very much. For <laughs> and listening. we're done. See you later. Um, so, yeah, you, there are obviously those influences, but they did market it as. So it's, it wasn't a direct adaption, which is what previous properties had been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what they talked about. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about animation, animation style, you know, how, you know, any effect, what what happened during the production, that kind of stuff. What do you have? It you sounds have... like you have some facts that you brought with you. Oh, no, I've just got, <laughs> I've got a couple of observations. But, um... Well, let's talk about overall as, in terms of animation, like, we are looking at traditional animation, 2D, with a blend. Most, for the most part, yeah. Like, like CGI, three-dimensional imagery and stuff. Um, the use of CGI to enhance the 2D. You know, we're not getting a fully-fledged CGI movie. We're getting this 2D movie, but with elements. Yes, which is amazing. Like, And you, we did see it. You saw it in Aladdin. And you saw it in Little Mermaid to a very, very minor degree. But it was one of those things where this was just before the release of Toy Story. So it wasn't really, yeah, a full-fledged 3D computer-generated movie wasn't really a thing. But this was as bad as close as it came, really. The most heaviest use for the CG in this movie is gen- is generating the stampede, the Wood yeah. Race stampede, um, which took apparently over three years to develop um, in tandem with the rest of the production, which is incredible. And it looks Could have been faster if they weren't working on Pocahontas. I'll yeah, tell you. bloody Pocahontas. One, one, of the, uh, one of the commentaries from a production point of view is they wanted to give this movie a sense of realism in regards to its its characters, but then break into um, more serious surrealist animations during say like the the song sequences. What for for example is, you know, can't wait to be king. Yeah. Everything turns from ultra like realistic depictions of characters to really not like, Well that's the thing, state. like with the with this being like a cartoon like it's mm. an animated movie for kids you still get those cartoony elements within the characters yeah. like the lions and the other animals could be moving realistically like animals do but whenever the characters are being cartoon characters mm. they're allowed to be yeah and the animators have made these characters just like lively and fun and bubbly and colourful yeah. and lighter than life and they can be cartoony yeah. They can make expressions and move their bodies in weird ways that it's like, yes, this is a cartoon and that's the fun of it. But, but you get a you get a mixed bag. Yeah, you, you get a mixed bag. But there it is there there is an overall tone of, of realism. Like this is as close as what you're gonna get in nineteen ninety four to a live action in the way that it's portrayed. And <laughs> well, what I mean had... by that is the animation, um, so the camera work within the animation itself has real world grounding in regards to like the dolly usage so you've got also it's as if multiple scenes have got um rotational dolly use so the camera pans around the characters so for example when they're sitting on top of pride rock and you're seeing the whole world it pans around them in a way that would happen in in a actual live action movie you're seeing an entire scope and the reaction of the characters same when when simba gets lifted up you see him and you get it's one of those camera act, like action sequences where you know when a production might have a big explosion on and so they just use the same camera like different camera angles to yeah. show a bigger explosion but it's really just a pop kind of thing when Simba's getting lifted up there's a cut between three different frames where he starts here and then the camera as if it up, was staged as as of actual as live action and another one is um is the zoom work that happens as well You've got, like, you remember at the start during the opening sequence, you see the ants rocking across the... Yeah. And then it zooms, fades beyond them, and you see the, the zebra walking underneath them. Like, those kind of things. Or the 
the look on um, you got the that cliche uh, dolly zoom that you see in Jaws when you see whatever is Brody's face and it zooms in and everything else is kind of staying the same in the background. Yeah. So that happens with Simba when he sees his dad fall. It like zooms right into his face or zooms out of it kind of thing. It's just a, it's a realistic camera technique, but it's done in an animation completely 2D world. Like to replicate. Yeah, it's replicating. Real re- film. Live, yeah, re- replicating a live action like camera. I mean, no, like, you, yeah, you're right. Like yeah. it, it's there. It's really impressive. I like that. So it just adds an extra tone <laughs> to it. Then you've also got the, you know, if you just want to like, if you want to gush about the animation itself, like you've got lighting effects that have never really been seen before. Mm. Like as Rafiki is walking through the dust cloud at the start, you see light bend, like coming past him, and as he moves his arm up, the light, light um, ray breaks. And then it goes down, like you can see. There's so like the color palettes they use, you yeah. know, in those darky, moody bits, like yeah. where it's nighttime, or you know, when they're in the the jungle with Timon and Pumbaa, it's bright and it's mm-hmm. colorful. The, well, the richness make... of the sand, the sun, the any set, like pretty much, you can take, you can pause this movie at any time, yeah, and print it out as a poster and put it on a wall, and it's like a, it's a work of art. Yeah, there are these beautiful. That every shot is like a beautiful painting. It's yeah. It's, and it's like this film has its own real cinematography, like, in a real world. It's like Africa is its own character in this movie through its cinematography, which is just artwork. It is just artwork, yeah. but it's brought to life. And with those, you know, lighting effects and things with the animation, like, the gorge scene, as you're seeing that long shot out, you can see the clouds moving across the plane and they're interacting with the 3D landscape. But it is all 2D. It's just done really, really, really well. Even that opening shot, like, with Zazu flying in, like, and oh, yeah. the camera sort of follows him, and yeah. it's magic. It's like, it's... Yeah. It's, I'm trying not to use the word magical because I say it <laughs> a lot, but this is freaking amazing. It's, it's <laughs> the pinnacle of traditional traditional animation. Yeah. If you look at more early, uh, later movies, such as, like, Treasure Planet and stuff, you see more blending of the CG, but this was, like, the pinnacle of 2D, I think. And I think they really... You know, like, just to come back to, like, animating the, the animals and the creatures, you know, like, mm-hmm. they really captured how animals would really move. You know, the, the yeah. staff, the, the animating staff, they actually went to, um, I think it was, like, a national park they went to. I think it was called Hell's Gate National Park yeah. um, in Kenya to actually research and film both the settings and the animals, how they interact with, like, landscapes mm. and physical things. I think they really captured all of that and they put mm. it in that. So it's, like... The fact that they have the ability to do that, yeah, and actually, and not just and they be took like the initiative to do that, yeah, not yeah. not just be like, oh, a lion would move like a cat, and uh, yeah. a zebra probably moves like a dog. Yeah, done. Yeah. Like I have a yeah. pet. Yeah, I'll just, yeah, well, I'll sketch that. Gone out and actually documented correct. Yeah, yeah correct. Well, a giraffe is like a horse. Anatomically a correct. Neck. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they've also, as you've noticed, all of the the facial expressions are human. So you've got animalistic like you know authentic looking animation styles with their bodies and their faces but their reactions are completely human which makes them completely relatable like the look that nala gives um simba when they're adults and like they're romping on the grass and then she licks his face but looks at him you see like that's a human looking at another human it's is that not like a, is that like the sexy face that nala yeah, gives that the sexy one? Face. like the one that's been memed and kind of makes me uncomfortable every time i see it now i haven't seen, seen it meme so don't <laughs> don't, don't, don't remember for me but also like you see zazu's zazu's reaction to the nail scraping yeah and, like, he grows teeth all of a sudden but he's like <laughs> gritting his teeth and like his eyes are going a bit funny it's 
it's a hornbill and it looks like a hornbill, but it is very much a human there reaction. There is so much expression on these on these animated characters and the combination of both the designs of the characters, the movements, the animations, yep. mixed with the the voice actors and what they're bringing, and just everything as a package. Yeah, the characters work and they feel real. And it's when you get a moment like Mufasa's death, <laughs> you know, it, it you actually care and you give a shit. Yeah, every time, you know, I we said I don't we I don't know how many times I've watched this movie. But every no. time, I might not cry every time. But I feel it yeah, every single time. And I'm like, that's because these characters just become real from the second mm. you arrive on this planet. Sorry. Um, from the second <laughs> you, you meet the characters and start, you start watching them on screen. And yeah. just the, and there's only a few scenes, really, before, you know, Mufasa's untimely death there. and mm. But that's enough to <laughs> get you invested in them yeah. and be like, yeah. Simba and his dad, their relationship, all of that. Yeah. Like, you care because these characters are brought to life successfully. Well, let's let's talk about characters. Simba, played by... As a child, played by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and as an adult, played by Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Two different singing voices. Did you know, interestingly... Uh, well, this is for me, anyway. I don't know if you felt the same. I didn't know it wasn't Jay, um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas singing. It's yeah. Jace, Jason Weaver, a guy named Jason Weaver. But I only found that out oh, maybe the last five years, thereabouts. Because um, yeah, his singing voice is close to... It's a really good match. I knew... I'd always known that Matthew Broderick wasn't the one singing. Oh, I definitely knew that. Um, so it's Joseph Williams. guy named Joseph Williams is doing the singing for, for Adult Simba. Um, but you know what? I kind of... I mean, I never really kind of looked into it. But I thought it was uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas singing. And I was yeah. like, yeah, why not? But it's not. <laughs> it's Jason Weaver, so good on you, sir. For being a chameleon I mean, singer. <laughs> I mean, just on that, like, uh, we'll jump quickly to Nala. Like, it's the same same, same, same deal. Thing. Yeah. You've got uh, Maura Kelly voicing adult Nala no. and Nikita Kalem, uh voicing the young Nala. Yeah. Sally Dworsky is the singer for adult Nala and Laura Williams is the singer for yeah. the young Nala. Can I, can I just throw a little fact out there? Moira Kelly, do you know who she is? So my, I'm going to be really excited my, when you My wife's me. really going to enjoy this. So she plays... Um, Basically, the lead character in One Tree Hill's mum. Okay, um, <laughs> One Tree- Lucas, One Tree Hill. So, just wanted to shout out, shout out to the wife. I'm aware, and you weren't aware of this. Nala is played by Moira. Okay, I Kelly. thought it would be someone I knew, yeah. so I, I got yeah. really excited. I was like, "Wait, who is she? Like, is no, he showing?" So it's Lucas's mum in in uh, One Tree Hill. Can't even remember now, her name. Is Lucas the one with the black hair? Or no, the- it's the blondie. Oh, Chad Michael Murray. Yeah. Wow, we know our stuff. That's great. That's- they play basketball. That's all I know about that movie, so, that show. <laughs> so, quite in recent memory, I had to watch the series. Mm. It wasn't bad. I actually recommend it to do two. We've sidetracked. Let's get it. No, no, no. no. <laughs> but I didn't know who Moira Kelly was. Right, but I do. And then uh, prepping for this, I was like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe that. <laughs> I need to make sure I drop that little factoid. So, um, but anyway, and most of the other cast, you just know them from so many other things. Um, so, that's that's the, our two leads. Portrayal-wise... I prefer um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, like Young Simba, to Matthew Broderick's. Yeah, I mean, like I just don't. I think a lot of people, you know, like I think of like if you ever see like a toy of Simba, Mm. like a plush toy or something, it's always Cub Simba, isn't it? Yeah. You never really. I mean, I'm sure they exist, but you never really see kids carrying around or even like adults who have Lion King toys because we have them. We all know. Mm. We don't carry around, you know, like a, a. 
adult Simba toy with the mane and all that. It's yeah. all about Cub Simba, isn't it? Yeah. And I think with this movie, it's like a lot of the love is for young Simba. Yeah. And I guess the voice goes with that and all of that. I mean, you get to adult Simba and he's cool and he looks like Mufasa and you're like, yeah, this is awesome. And then you're like, oh, that's Matthew Broderick. That's weird. That's Ferris Bueller. Um, yeah, exactly. That's weird. <laughs> exactly my thoughts. It's like all that dude from um, Godzilla 2000. Anyway. It's Totopolis. Um, <laughs> Nick Totopolis. Um, this movie does have an issue with pacing. It does move very quickly. I'm, I can justify that in a second but what I would say is in regards to these characters the you do spend a lot more time in the first act with young Simba or at least it feels like you do anyway well there isn't really a second act the second act is Hakuna Matata <laughs> yeah. and then the third act begins the as second soon as Nala... act is a montage song, a song. Yeah. yeah and then the third act begins when Nala comes back in like there's a, literally has been a span of 10 minutes at the most not even that yeah I'd say it's an 80-minute movie. I so, mean, yeah, there's yeah. a time skip. And I guess... And I, and I think it's more... So you've, you've got a connection to the younger more than you do... I mean, you know it's the same character, but obviously, like, because he has age, he has changed so much, you have to sort of come up with a lot of assumptions of where his character is now, what his mindset is. I mean, they, they successfully pull it off, and you do very quickly work out mm. who he is now, what he's been doing, and where he, his yeah. sort of frame of mind is. And, of course... Then they're bringing all the stuff of like, oh, you might need to go back for these reasons. Is yeah. it the right thing to do? Can you do it? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So they're doing all that, but it's happening very quickly. And I think I've noticed that more in more recent watches of it, again, like, you know, with my with my extensive looking at films and movies mm. and how they're actually put together, you notice it more. Yeah. And you go, wow, that third act or second half really with Simba, mm. adult Simba, is very quick. And it's like... Mm. There's not really that much time with Adult Simba no. or with Matthew Broderick. It's yeah. like you don't even know. Like he's got the same. All he's got is is just living with regret, right? From what had had happened when he was a child. Yeah. So you don't even get any extra character development really to, with Matthew Broderick as a new character. You just simply, it's just status quo, and you've just got a different voice portraying the same thing. And you don't like his journey doesn't. I mean, other than. Yeah, like he, I mean, he's taking the step up, and he's, he's until Rafiki comes around and when hits I, him on the head. He doesn't really want to do anything. <laughs> I mean, essentially, but this is a coming of age story, yeah. and it is, it is sort of like you know, uh, the prodigal son is that the 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 way to sort of describe it? You know, like he's yeah, left, yeah. he's come, but you know, he needs to come back and fulfill his destiny, and you know, yeah. sort of come to terms with all that. And you but know. there wasn't enough of him not fulfilling his destiny. Do you know what I mean? It's it all implied, enough about, and it's, and it's yeah. hinted at you. And it's, He's been gone for years, but you don't see evidence of I that. I guess if you want to see it, you've got to watch that Timon and Pumbaa TV series. Right. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's set it's set with like a teenage Simba in it. Right. That's right, very right. odd. But anyway, yeah, like... And you know what? If, if that's... That could be the one of the only gripes with the movie. One of the only major oh, yeah, criticisms yeah. is that... It does jump really fast, and the pacing, yeah, could be improved can, on. Can I say, on its... I mean, we're talking characters, but if we're still sticking with pacing as well. It is a children's movie. That's also a good point. Ones. That's also a good point. It, you've got short attention spans. Yeah. You've got to keep it going. Keep, keep, keep going. Yeah. So it achieves a very quick quick transitions that just keep children engrossed and involved. And you know what? That's... You've, you've nailed it there. Like, That's the reason that I did is it. the point. And I so guess the, we're the looking at this story as a, don't care about. Like, as an adult film, 
Yeah. We go, well, we need more fleshing out and yeah. it is rushed, blah, blah, blah. But as a kid's film, it's like, this is the tragedy that happened. This is the the plot that has now shifted. Yeah. And then we've got to get it all back to how it was and let's resolve this. Yeah. That's what the kids want. And I guess they successfully pull that off. Yeah. And that's why kids can watch this with multiple viewings. It's like, boom, 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 so boom, So I guess in a way, is it like a, a double-handed... Um, like criticism, because we're saying, you know, like, oh, you know, we have a gripe with it, but it's like, we're looking through it, the it does of... what it needs to do. Yeah. So, it's why it's so bloody good. But and anyway. do you know what? It really it doesn't detract from them. Like, like I said, you do catch up very quickly and you do 100% understand who Simba is now mm. and what he's doing and everything. It doesn't yeah. really take away from his character. I think it's just us wanting more, really. Yeah. But maybe with that new movie. This Maybe we sweet. could get a bit of that. Sounds like we just need to watch more Timon and Pumbaa TV shows. <laughs> right, let's go through. Just pause the movie during <laughs> halfway through Hakuna Matata. Watch the whole series of Timon and Pumbaa, and then continue. And then get back onto it. Um, same voice cast in this thing. I can't remember. Um, I I think Nathan Lane, who voices Timon, comes back for the movies, but right. he's not in the show. But the guy who voices Pumbaa. Yeah. Comes back. Yeah, right. Uh, Ernie Sabella. Ernie Sabella, yeah. Scar. Scar and Mufasa. So, respectively, Jeremy Irons and James Earl Jones. They're brothers. They are brothers. Scar's the protagonist, antagonist. Yeah, correct, yes. yes. <laughs> Mufasa is just... Well, he's not the well, protagonist. He's just kind of... Because Simba is. Yes, well... Well, he's not yeah, a main yeah, protagonist, yeah, but of yeah, course, yeah, yes. He's yeah. our good guy. He's our... Yeah. He's our, he's our the leader figure, the father figure. Oh, cool. And now, interestingly, this is Disney's first film that has the villain be a direct blood relative to mm. the main protagonist. They do it again in Hercules with, right. I guess, uh, what's in Hades being his uncle again. Yeah. Um, but before then, it was always either some just someone else. Yeah. Just someone else. Someone else with a with a bad with an evil agenda. But Scar as a villain. Now, I put him up there with the likes of, like, Jafar. But I reckon he's probably better. He's, he's better. He's charismatic. Like, he has he's... clear motivation. Yeah, yeah, the charisma. Yeah. The, the, he knows what he wants. It's the evilness in him. He'll, mm. he'll do what he needs to do. He's always plotting. Yeah. He's always one step ahead. Mm. He says at some point that he is the brains of the... You got the lion's share of the brains, or whatever. Yeah, he's got the brains and, and uh, Mufasa, Mufasa's the brawn. brawn. And in that long moment, when, moment when he delivers that line, you see it because he he is manipulating Mufasa. He's like turning his back on him, but then he gets just says a couple of words and it kind of diffuses it. But he still ends up by turning his back on him and walking away. Scar is the Disney's Animal Kingdom's Lex Luthor. Like he yeah. is, he's smart. He knows yeah. what he's doing. And he sees an opportunity with the hyenas because they're a disenfranchised just group who are yeah, over yeah. here who who, who like who I, at, at want, no point more and are willing to follow and sacrifice. And no, not what any point do I think that Scar just wants to help the hyenas. It's he wants to use the hyenas for yeah. his own. And he betrays them. Yeah, well, for his own. He doesn't his own care. Sake. He doesn't care. I love his. It's really cool that Jeremy Irons has got like that English accent the as voice, well. His like, voice. <laughs> I, you know when when the production started on this new one that's coming out now. I would have been happy, you know, because I they brought. So unhappy that they didn't reprise some of their roles. They're all a lot of them are all still there. That's the tricky thing. I mean, like, um, you know, you look at this cast and it's so amazing. And yes, yeah, some of some of them are obviously they've died. They're no longer with us. Obviously, you can't bring them back. 
you know, they've got James Earl Jones, and obviously they want to do things differently, and it's mm. like, you, they don't want to just make the same movie, so they want to get a new cast. Yeah. They brought James Earl Jones back. Cool. Like, fantastic. I reckon it would have been nice if they did a duo there. Do Scar mm. and Mufasa right. as being the only two voice actors that come back to have Jeremy Irons. Because oh, Jeremy good. Irons... No offence to Chiwetel Ejiofor, however you say his name. Yeah, Chetwell. Chetwell. Is it Chetwell? Yeah, I think so. Anyway. But, I mean, I've heard his voice in the trailers. It ain't Scar. It ain't... It... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, go see the movie and see what you think. Yeah, so I love Jeremy Irons' portrayal. Interestingly, uh, he actually got... Um, some kind of vocal issue or um, injury during this, during production. Oh, my God. And so Jim Cummings had to step in a couple of times, particularly during the, the song that he sings. Oh. Um, but it's not credited. But if you watch a couple of the behind-the-scenes things, you, you find out that Jim Cummings... But let's keep on going. We'll talk about songs later. Who else we got? Oh, so James Earl Jones, father figure. Father. Father. The, that deep voice. The also, father. I the am father. your father. Yeah. Um, <laughs> A.K.A. Darth Vader. No, Simba. I am your father. <laughs> He's just got that really recognisable deep voice. And it's he, perfect, perfect for the role. It's perfect for a lion. So you get your adult Simba with Matthew Broderick. Yeah. Yeah, you know, like... And Matthew Broderick is doing a fine... He's not the bad. I mean, he's, just, he's not... I'm not going to say he's deadpan, but he's yeah. delivering lines. It's yeah. fine. I still get the emotion. It's all there. I believe him. Well, to but me, I mean, you compare the two Matthew voices. Matthew has got a higher pitched voice than any other lion. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't fit. But anyway. Well, yeah. the male lions. But you got James Earl Jones bringing this Mufasa. Like yeah. this presence. This beaming. Remember like who you are. Yeah, like he's what a lion should sound like if they were to speak. And then there's Matthew Broderick doing Matthew Broderick good on him. I like Matthew Broderick. You know what? Yeah, I, I like him. I like him. But I, like, I like it as well. Madge Sinclair, who plays Sarabi. Oh, yeah, the mum. The mum. Yep. Interesting fact. Hmm. Well, unfortunately, she did die the, the following year after this movie's released. But oh. that's not the interesting fact, although that is of relevance. Um, James Earl Jones and Madge Sinclair performed together as an African king and queen mm. previously in Coming to America. America. Yeah. I did... Well, I was seen Coming to America. Have you seen Coming to America? No. Buck like a dog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they're making a um, sequel to that. I did hear that, yes. With Eddie, Eddie Murphy yeah. as well. Which is... Very, anyway. That's not, God, we there. should do Coming to America. <laughs> well, if someone requests it, we might very well do it. Can I request it? Get on... No, no. Someone else requested it through our Facebook, but let's continue. Um, next up, we've got Nathan Lane and Ernie Sabella playing Timon and Pumbaa, respectively. Comic relief. A little... So, Timon's a, a, a meerkat. Yep. Pumbaa's a warthog. Yep. For those when I enough. was a young warthog. When I was a young, young warthog. warthog. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> um, Nathan Lane, I think, steals the show. Pretty much everything that Timon is in steals it. Yeah. I feel like Pumbaa is just perpetually a supporting, supporting character. However, I will... But so, such a lovable one in that. Oh, like... he is. He is. But he's definitely... It doesn't stand out as my fave. Like, if anything, any of these characters are my fave. It's actually Timon out of all of them, I'd say. But Pumbaa, what I really like how they do it... They... Some movies have got this little way of doing it when you've got an imbecile who just happens to be correct and perfect in every way. Oh, like the thing with the stars? Yeah, so the stars... I think they're just flaming balls of gas, yeah. light years away. Yeah. And then everyone just rejects that, but it's like, like no, that's intelligent. Everything's about gas, yeah. Also, like, when he dives, 
during Hakuna Matata, dives into the water and Timon does a splash. Yeah. And Pumbaa, this beast of a pig, does a perfect 10 out of 10 dive that goes bloop. Like, <laughs> it's just, it's just it, it shouldn't be perfect. He should be the one who doesn't do it. Yeah. But like, they just flip it on its head. So, fun fact for you. There you go. Pumbaa is the first Disney character to fart. Oh, is that right? That is right. Well, they make it a character point. Like they really, yeah, really make it's it all a, about a the gas, man. That's cool. But I mean, and now I mean, he and, and Ernie Sabella's performance as well. Like I can't picture another voice. I know Seth Rogen's gonna do it, and if there is gonna be anybody to do it other than Ernie, Seth would probably be. Yeah. I just think so, there's something about Pumba laughing like Seth Rogen that I think just really. <laughs> Something works about that. Like, <laughs> you know, like well, I'm looking forward to seeing it. Um, um, but they are... I know you, you're saying, like, Timon is the the larger character, the yeah. the one that's getting, you know... But mm. it, it's the duo that really works. If yeah. you just had Timon as a character on his own, you know, he'd probably be treated like Eddie Murphy's Mushu in Mulan yeah. or, you know, like Iago in Aladdin. Yeah, you know, it'd yeah. just be... Just that loud character doing things, but... Yeah, they, they just work as a duo. Yeah. I do think that Timon treats Pumbaa a little bit harshly sometimes. Like pretty much he's always putting him down. That's Even it. to the point where, I mean, he's legitimately putting his life on the line trying to save him from Nala. <laughs> he's still like, why do I have to save your ass? And just before he says ass, he screams and goes, ah! Oh, I mean, he, well, he does that thing where it's, it's like, you know, Pumbaa will suggest something and then Timon will take that idea and claim it as his own. Yeah, and shut down Pumbaa. So. But you know, I think it's like they're best friends, and it's like I think they can do it, and it's all yeah, no, they're fine. Yeah. They're like okay. Tim- Timon's lines though are just brilliant because all of them, almost everything is overreacted. Everything's like hyper, hyper. Mm. So like when he's when Nala and Simba meet each other, like as adults, and then like they go from aggression <laughs> what's to what's going on, what's going on here, <laughs> that kind of thing. Oh, it's just hilarious because the, the the facial expression as well. Like he goes calm, and he's like. Loses his ship and then he's just sitting there breathing like, what the fuck is going on here? It's like, it's just brilliant. I really. love the exchange of like trying to, when Nala's trying to explain who Rafiki is, <laughs> yeah. who Scar is, yeah. who's the monkey, who's the uncle, what? He's the monkey's not what? The monkey's his uncle? Who's got his Scar? <laughs> it's just like, between all of the characters. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> um, during the, uh, the writer's commentary... They actually mentioned that that scene was one of the hardest ones to write. Like, well, <laughs> well, no, to how to get Nala there and then have that dialogue as well was just... So they wanted that yeah, scene, but they were just like, how do we place it? How do we character? get her there? We've got to get her there somehow. Um, so interesting. All right, who else we got? We've got... Uh, Rafiki. Rafiki. So Robert... Uh, was it Guillaume? Guillaume? I think that's the best Guillaume? attempt we can probably make. I'm not going to say it. I'll just say Robert. <laughs> Robert Guillaume um, plays Rafiki. His characterization, it was actually intentionally... He doesn't say full sentences... He breaks it up with word, like weird sounds. So you got English stuff. words, and then you've got um, a bit of Swahili mix in there as yeah. well. So, like you know, when he's talking about the the mashed bananas, squash bananas, whatever yeah. it is, and he, he's saying something about banana. like, "I'm not the baboon, you're the baboon," or something. Yeah, so, a bit in Swahili, but in Swahili, of yeah. course. Yeah. So, but then he, but then he breaks up with with just sound like when he's like, uh-huh, 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 and like just little weird things. Oh, fantastic! Um, I really like him. He's he's. My second favourite character, just because I think it's out- comic relief, but he's also the wise figure who tries to pull it all together. Yeah. I think out of all like, out of all the quotable, memorable lines in this movie, I said lines, not lions. <laughs> <laughs> Rafiki is probably the one that I go to the most. You know, like look yeah. harder, yeah. look harder. You know, like it's, Do you know, I wonder, there's, there's two quotable lines that I always use, even now without even watching this movie, like recently, whatever. 
it's um Pinja again, which is <laughs> <laughs> which is cool. But all it's Rafiki's line where he's it's like it is time. Yeah, I use that time. all the time. It's like it's time to go. It is time. It is time. <laughs> but you know, I feel like I say look hard all the time. Like, look hard. Look harder. Or you know, just hmm. as alive. Like, that's great. <laughs> it's fantastic. And and what's that line? Yes, the past does hurt. <laughs> that scene but though, when he yeah. using his stick to whack him, and then he's like, "Oh, that hurts," and explaining that it's like, "Yeah, it did," but it's in the past. Yeah. The past can and hurt. you can learn from it. You learn from it, and you, you do better. Yeah. and it's like it's such an important scene. And then you see the karate that Rafiki does later with the with the well, high end. It's just brilliant, mm. perfect. It's just great. Um, Rowan Atkinson plays Zazu, who is the king's right hand man. I keep thinking there's not more like amazing voice <laughs> characters. <laughs> and then we get the Rowan Atkinson yeah. as Zazu. Oh my god, perfect. And I am looking <laughs> forward to hearing um, John Oliver portraying in in the new one, just because they're. Both British, <laughs> um, and they and I, I, <laughs> they both have British accents. Um, Dumb. And John Oliver is really a really expressionist. Like if you watch his show, yeah, he really goes over the top, and I think that's going to be a good quality. However, like I was sort of with the other thing, Ron Atkinson's still alive. He could have reprised it possibly. But I mean, like you but, could say that about all of them except uh, except Matt Sinclair. Um, but yeah, yeah. Ron Atkinson's performance. though, what do you reckon? I mean... I've got a lovely bunch of coconuts. One I, of the most memorable things. <laughs> uh, again, Zazie has so many like amazing little lines. He's either being a smartass or a snotty yeah. or just like scared. Yeah. And... He's screaming. I mean, ah, delivering yes. them all like amazingly. Yeah. I love it. I love and he's... I just can't wait to be king. Like his yeah. input in, into that song as well. Like his yeah. voice bits. Oh, it's... Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. We got the then the hyenas. So these are subsidiary yeah. protagonists, uh, antagonists. I keep on mixing those two up. Jesus, how did I do that? Anyway, but anyway, so our three um, three henchmen, hyena henchmen, played by Whoopi Goldberg, plays Shenzi, Cheech, Cheech Marin from Cheech and Chong, believe it or not, plays Banzai, Banzai, and then you got Jim Cummings, who has a non-verbal role, plays Ed. So just making noises, I guess. He, la- Jim he laughs. Thing. He's got the most. Uh-huh. The he's the one of them who laughs the most. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. What do you think, Ed? Did you know I was Mufasa's son? Because <laughs> <laughs> I shaved yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. The animation styles. I felt like, and I felt this with um, Nala as well. I feel like they. They some they just slightly reflective of their human counterparts. I don't think it's, I think it's more because you know that what that person looks like and you can just Im- imagine what that person looks like. So, oh, like Whoopi yeah, Goldberg's like Shen, um, Shenzi does look like a little bit like Whoopi Goldberg. I'm like, how offensive is this? No, right no, 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 no. <laughs> just just like the eye, like the, I don't know. I feel it's like they're manipulated like... in a way that the human expression is a, a very similar expression to. To Whoopi Goldberg, so, and same with um, well, ba- Banzai, Cheech, like Cheech from Cheech and Chong, like he's he's appeared in so many. So it's, all, it's like they've animated it's the expressions fierce. to yeah. match the voice work. It's kind of yeah. But like, like, is that a that's a good thing though, isn't it? Like, yeah, because then it's like you're really getting you're really invested in that. It's almost like motion capture, but like yeah, someone's had to draw that, so it's even yeah. more impressive, really. So, I w- and I'd be really interested to find out whether or not the casting was done before the storyboarding. On, on some of this stuff, mm. all the concepts were done. 
to find out whether or not some of these characters evolved based on who was playing them. Oh, and others, awesome. like, don't aren't reflective at all, like Matthew Broderick's. Um, so should we talk about some of the names in regards to what their meanings are? Because some of them are Swahili names. Swahili words, yeah. So yeah, Sim- Simba is a Swahili word for lion. Nala is the Swahili word for gift. Sarabi means mirage. Rafiki means friend. So there's like little elements yeah, here. That friend the it. monkey. Pumba <laughs> means simpleton or weak-minded, which is really funny. <laughs> and Shenzi uh, is either like a bar- barbarous or like uncivilized or savage kind of word. And that's very, very appropriate as well. And then what does Hukuna Matata mean? Uh, it means no worries. Doesn't for it, means, the re- it, it actually means, means, means no problems. Uh, no, no problems as a literal translation, but yeah. in the song, yeah, it means no worries for the rest of your days. For the rest of your days, there you go. It's uh, oh, we should give a, a yell out to Frank Welker providing all of the lion roars, which is so unbelievable for me. Not, is, yeah. is that Frank the lion? Like, is he a lion? No, Frank Welker, the actor, the voice actor. He was in like. The Ghostbusters animated series. Okay. That's the only thing that's coming to mind at the moment. Okay. Sweet. He does a lot of unique voicing. Yeah, right. So not just normal. I mean, he does do normal vocal, like speaking. He can't speak, but... <laughs> but he can roar. Why don't they just record lines, right? They wanted a unique a unique roar for each type of line. Yeah. So they figured the best way to do that was to get an actor to just do it, as opposed to getting... Okay. But can you tell the difference? No. Then... Interesting. He did his job. He did his job. <laughs> well, what do you reckon? We've covered a lot. We've spoken a lot. This might be the most appropriate time for an ad break. What do you reckon? Okay. okay. Uh, we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Luke. And I'm Jason. And we are the guys from Nut Film Stew. Do you like movie reviews and want to keep up to date with the latest in movie and TV news? Then Nut Film Stew is the podcast for you. Join us every two weeks for some good times, laughs, and firm opinions on the things we love. That's right. There's a new podcast released every two weeks on iTunes and SoundCloud. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram as That Film Stew Podcast. That Film Stew Podcast. Listen, comment, follow, share. One of the biggest major factors, one of the things that makes this movie what it is, is the music. I think this movie is the music. This movie always oh, the music. This movie, I don't know. Does that make sense? Wait, I don't know. The <laughs> mood, the music, the songs, the score, yeah. all of it. Now, as you mentioned, we had Tim Rice working the magic on the lyrics, writing these songs. Elton John teaming up with him, composing music for the songs. Yeah. And Hans Zimmer putting together a score. So amazing. And yeah, for the all longest time, I, I had never acknowledged him as. It was always about Elton John and, and Tim Rice. I guess the first song we like draw attention to is Circle, Circle of Life. Life. It's the opening scene performed by Carmen Twilly. And we have Lebo M performing the opening Zulu vocals. Now, I don't... Yeah, we've always tried to do that. We don't know what it says. But we have the translation, though. Yeah. And it is, Here comes a lion, father. Oh, yes, it's a lion. Here comes a lion, father. Oh, yes, it's a lion. A lion we're going to conquer. A lion, a lion, and a leopard come to this open place. Not relevant at all. Oh, it says lion a few times. Yeah. But (laughs) it doesn't really apply to the plot. Which is interesting because people who speak Swahili mm. and are listening to that, I wonder if they're thinking that's going to be something different. Ah, true. And they're like, oh, oh, okay, interesting. But Although, it does sound. It's oh, no, got well, such think, an African think of the tone. think of the animals in the you know like gathering. Yeah. And then you know you've got 
you've got Mufasa like sort of walking up Pride yeah. Rock, and you know it could be a little animal to their giraffe father being like, oh my gosh, I've just realised you're he, absolutely right. He comes, this a, is he comes a, a lion father. He comes a he comes Mufasa, or you're absolutely he correct. He comes the king. I didn't think of it in that context. Yeah. Of course, this is a bunch of animals coming into a place. Yeah, a lion and a leopard come to this open place. We're talking about animals coming collectively to acknowledge right. a lion. It is. It does fit. It fits. Fantastic. That's why no Swahili person's ever been like. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> they just go, yeah, that works. <laughs> that was a nice one. Very cool. Um, the the four-minute opening scene that they use with mm. this track, with this song, they had produced it, they'd made it, the mm. movie wasn't finished yet, but they had watched this, and I think this is the turning point where they realised, hang on a second, this isn't a B-movie. This is our... This, yeah. this is, There's something amazing here. Like, Pocahontas should still be good, but this yeah. is something magical that we've got here. They use that four-minute opening scene as the first trailer for this yeah. movie in their marketing. Amazing. Amazing. And, and it doesn't iconic. Give anything away. It just simply says, let's... Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think they originally wanted the, the movie to open with, like, some dialogue exchange, you yeah. know, introduce some characters, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But this just sells something, like, it takes you to this whole new landscape, this new world. Mm. You know, you'd never seen a Disney movie set in Africa mm. that I'm aware of, I don't think, beforehand. Don't Not to this extent. You've got all these animals, the beautiful artwork on the horizon, all mm. that, the sun. Add the music, add Zazu flying in, add the lions. You don't really know what's happening. There's some sort of ceremony, some sort yeah. of what are they doing to that lion baby? Are they going to throw it off the cliff? What's happening? And you got Monkey Man, Rafiki walking through the crowd, climbs up. Embraces the king, but it's some sort of, it's some sort of ceremony, some sort of thing, and it's mm. like, look at this baby and all these animals, are, you know, catching, and you're like, oh, like, like mm. royalty almost, and it's like, oh, I get it, yeah. boom, boom, the Lion, Lion King, king. oh, every time, yeah, <laughs> it's absolutely, it's, uh, it is a, oh, so perfect, and it's, it's such a recognizable song. You hear that song even when you just listen to it on Spotify, and you know exactly what's happening, <laughs> when it's happening, what's going That's on. That's true. It's so. How beautiful. many times have you lifted an animal <laughs> like Simba? <laughs> Every time our puppy jumps on to our bed, <laughs> we hold her up. Ah, your love life. That's what we do. That's it. That's what you do. It's like a christening thing for your animal yeah, yeah. Like it's, it's it's so good you do it um <laughs> uh, next song i just can't wait to be king absolutely so play this is a bit more poppy this is a bit more da -da 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 -da. it's it's so funky i think i was it's just playing doing, a surreal i think i was just doing under the sea that's not right um it, the animation style changes from realistic to complete surreal. We discussed that earlier. Yeah, you've got animals standing on top of each other. Yeah. You've got... The song basically is a diversion tactic for Simba and Nala to escape Zazu. And in the same process, you see, like, yeah, exaggerated examples of the of the dinosaurs, of their animals. <laughs> the dinosaurs. Yeah. Well, but, you've, but you've also got the, the lyrics are explaining, yeah. you know, like, Simba's feelings at this time. Yeah. You know, like, yeah... He's he's gonna be a cocky king. He's gonna he's cocky. He's a young prince. He's like, yeah, yeah when I'm king, everything's gonna be cool. Mm -hmm. So you you're pushing the story forward as well. Like you're getting more characterization. Yeah. At the same time, you're just having a good time. There's this big yeah. party that's pretty much happening with all mm -hmm. these animals. And it's Simba and Nala singing as well. So they're kind of doing a bit of a duet. Bit of a thrown in there with a bit of Rowan Atkinson as well, which is great. Zazu telling him that he's the most irresponsible king or something. Like <laughs> if this is where the monarchy is heading, count me out. Out of service, out of Africa. I wouldn't hang about. <laughs> I love it, man. 
Um, Kings don't need advice from little hornbills. Forest, so we could see. Should we just do it? Okay, I I think this is one of the Disney songs that I just know the lyrics to. I could I could do it. Most of these, most of these, we can. Um, let's move through though. So that that's a nice little poppy one. Then you got the song "Be Prepared." Um, now this is Scar's song. It's talking about. It's basically him deciding he's going to overthrow the king. Yep. Kill the king. Gathering he, up his hyena he's team. recruiting and... his hyenas at the same time and explaining why. It's cool. It, it, it's a cool song. It's probably the weakest out of all of them, to be honest. Uh, you know but, what? I used to think it was. I mean, yeah, yeah, I guess it still is compared to the other ones. Be prepared is also one of the lines that I drop just randomly. So it's, <laughs> it's like, it is time. It's like, be prepared. <laughs> do, you, do you say like that? Yeah, yeah they... <laughs> um, We have to address the... The imagery, the, yeah, yeah, like the Nazi imagery, yeah, um, so, of of marching hyenas, sort yeah. of like marching past. They're like Adolf goose, goose stepping, like past Adolf Hitler, turning as soon as turning to face him as they walk past. Him. <laughs> yeah. It is pretty powerful, especially through an adult lens. Kids yeah. obviously don't have a clue what's going, what it is. I also to. always see, you know, like in the last shot of Scar standing on that like cliff thing, mm. and you got the moon behind him, yeah, and like his silhouette. What it's actually the shape of... It kind of looks like the... What's the Russian... So it's the, the um, sickle and the hammer. Yeah, so, it kind of looks like a sickle and a hammer. And we'll, we'll talk a little bit about controversies. That is one thing that's been raised is there's either a, like the fascist elements or there is a reference to like a communist society versus a, you know, more of a capitalist kind of feel. Yeah. And the sickle, sickle moon turns into the sickle and the hammer twice i think you see it twice when it's a scar that's it's referencing to as well so it's just got general connotations there i guess it's the contrast between you know the monarch the monarchy state that they've got yeah. with pride rock like mm. it's the other type of yeah it's like this movie gets political yeah it does without without pushing it too much in your face yeah just very subliminally <laughs> which is better yeah is it, is it? So, <laughs> i don't know um and like i said at the top jim cummings who voices ed who is a very gifted voice artist if you he's got oh. over 400 movie credits that guy yeah. but he does um fill in for jeremy irons during some of the sequence because jeremy irons had an injury of some kind with his vocal cords so some of what you hear and then i think scar was portrayed by jim cummings later on in other tv shows or something like that yeah one of the TV oh, movies. Oh, cool. Fair enough. So he took it up. But you know what? Like, as, you, as you said, you know, like the song is probably one of the weaker songs. Yeah, correct. Just because the other ones are such high ones. But you know what? I still enjoy this song. Mm. I still enjoy. It. I don't know. Like I just. Oh, there I used to not as a kid. I was like, I'm not into it. But now I'm like, this is fun. There and isn't. It's... There isn't one that I don't enjoy. It'd be interesting to see with the new one. What with the new songs that are coming through to see if I enjoy those as well. But oh, can Chawetel do Jeremy Irons? I will say. I hope they even. I wonder if they even do pre prepared. Sure, they will. Um, all right, Hakuna Matata. This is probably everybody's. I'd say like with the best. They'd say it's not my favorite, but I mean, it's the catchy one. It's the yeah. This is probably the one for the kids. Really, yeah. <laughs> like the Hakuna Matata. Yeah. What a wonderful phrase. Absolutely. Um, it's great. It's basically a. We said it earlier. It's pretty much encompasses the entire half um, middle <laughs> act of the movie. Yeah, and you see a transition between Simba, like he, he's meeting Timon and Pumbaa, they, and they're explaining their way of life through it's the their song. motto. And then you see What's him become an adult. <laughs> What's, What's the motto with you? Yeah. <laughs> um, great song, catchy. Anybody can sing it. Um, and then yeah, trend. This is where 
Simba learns to eat bugs and things like that and mm. all that. But yeah, it tastes just, like chicken. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, he transitions into adulthood from beyond beyond there. But that's that's for the purpose of this song. Next song, and this is my favourite personally. Can you girl. can you feel that tonight? <laughs> yeah, because because of, of the eyes that Nala has, but also <laughs> Nala's sex I think, eyes. <laughs> I think I've, but I've also heard like many renditions of this since this movie, like duets. And it's just a very nice song. Look, I enjoy I enjoy the one by the cast in this movie that mm. we get. Um, I enjoy the voices. I love singing this in the car to myself when no one else is <laughs> trying to do the voices and not doing them very well. Yeah. But then I also love the Elton John version. Yeah. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, like you heard it at my wedding. Mm. Like I, th- I think it encompasses our love for Disney, and it's yeah. like, and it's just a good song, and it was it's fitting a beautiful song. for a wedding because yeah. love. Yeah, absolutely. It's a good song. Mm. It was. At one point, gonna be because like Elton John was brought in and he wanted to do like a Disney love song, and he mm. took it as a challenge for himself. He was like, "I, I love Disney movies and I love Disney songs," and he was mm. like, "I want to see if I can do one." Mm. So he wrote this song, yeah. wrote it right, well, you know, composed it with Tim Rice, obviously, and he was like, "Put it forward." He's like, "Let's do it." Well, they they did the song, mm. completely sung by Timon and Pumbaa, screened the movie. Which they start and finish it. They bookend it. They, yeah, but, but they, they sung completely. Yeah. So it was Timon and Pumbaa singing yeah. the whole time. Yeah. Um, they did a screening, or a screen test, you know. Elton John was involved in that. Yeah. He made a very angry phone call. Yeah. And he was like, respectful, but aggressive. You know, mm. like, look, guys, I can see what you've done. I respect it. I respect you guys. Mm. And I know you're going to make the right call, but um, change it. <laughs> 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 He's like... No, it's not yeah. working. Please and, take it back to where it was. And with the result, he actually won an Oscar for best song. Okay, so right yeah. cool, right cool. And I think anyone involved would have come out after and been like, "Oh yeah, like this is a like a flagship song of Disney songs." Yeah, like this. Is, if you were to ever pick like a handful of songs as like your best of for like a Disney soundtrack mm. or something, this would always be on it. Yeah, hundred percent. It's on. It's on my Spotify. And just on that, the Elton John um, performance obviously plays over the credits as well, which is beautiful. Um, There is one last song which isn't in the movie, but Mm. it is. Um, It's actually a song that was made for the Broadway show called Morning Report. Right. Sung by Zazu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, When they... Yeah, okay. There's an extended version of of The Lion King, Mm. um, which I didn't watch for this video. I I assume you didn't either. It's called... Obviously, they they put the song in. So when uh, Mufasa asks... Zazzy for the morning report. He yeah. sings it to him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, a lot of Lion King purists were like, "What is this and yeah. why?" But uh, it's fine. If if I end up watching a version with this song in it, I just take it and go, "Yeah, whatever. It's fine. Okay, it's okay. It works in the musical." I have seen it. I, I now it's I know what you're talking about. Morning report or something like that. It's yes. just not on the top of my mind. Mm. Cool. All right, that's the songs which pretty much make up the whole movie. Uh, we're going to keep moving. Let's talk. We've touched on this. We teased it a little bit. Let's talk about some of the controversies about this film. That's why we're it here, is, isn't it? it? Is not, isn't yeah, it's what we always like to do. Um, it is not without controversy. Now, has anybody ever heard of Kimber the White Lion? <laughs> because once you actually find out about this, you will have not look at this movie the same way ever, ever <laughs> again. Certain elements of this movie are considered to bear resemblance to you know, Asamu... Tezuka's 1960s Japanese anime television series, um, Jungle Emperor, which is known as Kimba the White Lion in the United States. So there's, there's characters that have similar analogs um, and there's various individual scenes that are being similar. 
So they both feature the theme of the circle of life. Yes. I mean, okay. Yeah. Okay. We can move. We can move past that. Um, they both feature protagonists lion cubs Kimba and Simba. I mean, they sound similar. Yeah. Who must continue their father's dynasty? So it's not the fact that they both have the same sort of protagonist, but they have the same sort of plot. Yeah. Or like. Yeah, that's right. Now both also include evil lions, um, the one-eyed claw and Scar. It's interesting. Um, both have sage baboons. Um, was it? I think it's Dan- Danul. Danul baboon and Rafiki, um, and both have animated animated birds. Um, one's Paulie Cracker, and the other obviously is Zazu. Uh, they both have hyenas. Yep. Um, the Kim the White Lion has a duo of hyenas, mm. and obviously Lunky has a trio, yep. but still a, a team of them. Yep. Um, and they both feature the protagonist looking up at clouds in the shape of his father lion. Absolutely. So, damn. Um, there's also <laughs> others. So, like, I always knew there were similarities, and there were things that I knew myself and I picked up on, but yeah, like, doing research into it, I did not realise how much there yeah. actually was. So, in Kimba. The father, I think, is killed. A lot, yeah, a lot of the that. footage is very... Oh, it's so similar. Now, uh, Matthew Broderick, uh, who played Simba, he believed he was actually working on an American version of Kimba, um, which is what he told people. Uh, that he, was, he was actually going to be playing that character. Well, I think he actually misheard them and thought they had told him that, oh, yeah, um, your character's name is Kimba. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what he went with. I mean, yeah. <laughs> he honestly was like, is that what we're doing? <laughs> A co-director Roger Allers claimed complete unfamiliarity with the show until the movie mm. was almost completed and did not remember it being ever mentioned during development. Although he had lived and worked in animation in Tokyo during the 1980s <laughs> when Tezuka had already become known as Japan's Walt yeah. Disney. Um, and a remake of Kimba was airing on primetime television. So I mean, yeah. like he, come on. Um, and various animators and crew... Uh, crew members have admitted to watching Kimba, but they do insist that there was no conscious effort to derive work from Kimba. So, you know, even if it was, yeah. just in the back of the mind, I mean, like, if you do a movie about lions and animals in Africa, I mean, there's there's key animals that you would go to, you know? Like, it's yeah. it's not uh, it's not unbelievable that it's like, oh, yeah, they have a baboon friend and... There yeah. are hyenas and stuff, but there's a there's a wildebeest stampede as well. In oh Jesus! Okay, <laughs> I don't know. I think that doesn't lead to the death. I think the death of the father is in the river. But you know, so. look, it all happens. Yeah. yeah. Um. Cool. But like you know, look, do some research yourselves, guys. Have a look. Um. Maybe don't go too hard on it because <laughs> it does put a little bit of a bad taste in your mouth if you think about it too much. So, um. But anyway, moving on. What else did we have? Sex. We <laughs> we have sex. We have yes. sex. So uh, there was people who got um, arms up in the air because one scene we discussed. It appears that the word "sex" appear like comes. It's when Simba falls down on his ledge and like leaves like, and pollen. Yeah, float dust in the air. floats yeah. up, yeah. And... and then that all goes flows all the way to Rafiki, who picks it up and then goes, "It is time. <laughs> Simba is alive. It's alive. It's fantastic." However, you can like if you Google it, you can see it. It looks like it, but. I mean, it definitely looks like letters. Yeah. There are definitely letters there. But the an- um, animator Tom Sito, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Sito Sito, had stated that the letters actually spell um, SFX, so special effects abbreviation. Um, so it's kind of, it's one of those innocent little Disney inclusions. Which like a signature from the animators. There's far worse, even if it was sex. 
there's so many worse things that the animators I mean, put into it, Disney shows. It ain't a topless woman in um, The Rescuers. Yeah. Like, <laughs> crazy. Um, but I, I think it's been digitally removed from later releases. Yeah, just, so. to, just, to, avoid, like, just to avoid the controversy, I guess. Like, yeah. And that's... The shame. Yeah. Actually, what what's your stance on like them going back and editing and changing things? Yeah. A recent one is Toy Story 2's removal of um, a Stinky Pete post-credit blooper scene. What is it? What it's it sort say? of like it's reenacting sort of like a um, like a casting call kind yeah. of thing, and like Stinky Pete's telling the Barbies that he can get them a role on Toy Story three, uh, and it's a bit promiscuous. And Woody catches them, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know what am I?" It's probably trying? a Lasseter thing. <laughs> well, yes, that's the... If you think of it like that, it's like, oh, okay, maybe not. No, I wasn't even aware that they'd done that, but yeah, I can but, see... I don't know, it's just sort of like eh, backwards censorship. It's mm. like... Sometimes it... I think that, that example you just said, I could see that being a little bit like on the nose now. This is ridiculous because, one, you've got an animator saying it doesn't actually say what you think it says. <laughs> and, two, it's... I mean... It's dust. It's a, it's dust. You have to actually pause to see it. Like it's yeah, dust. you you can't. You genuinely can only see it if you press pause. Like yeah, it, it flashes too fast. I've tried. Anyway, um, so but look, I think that's been changed, and so be it. Whatever. The um the copy that I watched the um for research this didn't have it. So yeah, my DVD doesn't. Have yeah, it. yeah. Um, hyenas. Uh, lots of people were protesting. Um, particularly biologists about um, hyenas portrayal like a researcher sued Disney for defamation of character but it's because they're portrayed as evil you know evil beings or whatever they're also um, just portrayed as shitty animals yeah shitty like, animals they're, but they're not like, they're good in, they're actually good sufficient hunters they can yeah. gather their own food yeah, yeah they're not scavengers I mean they are scavengers but yeah. they're not they're a little bit more proficient than what this this movie actually makes them out to be there's also comparisons um, regarding uh, representation as like like an anti-immigrant allegory um, where the hyenas would be black or Latino you can get that because you've got a black woman and a Latino voicing them I can see that however watching it today also, I don't I don't, I don't I see I see it I understand but I really don't think that was the point I can understand <laughs> yeah, like, I, don't, I don't think that was the point but you can see where the interpretations are coming from like you've got the you know, like, I mean, I already mentioned, you know, like, when we we're talking about Scar and, mm. you know, like, in the other movies, you know, like, you have the darker-haired mm. lions as opposed to, like, you know, the bright, light brown mm. lions, Simba and Mufasa yeah. and stuff. It's like you've got these lighter-coloured yeah. lions and lionesses, and then you've got the hyenas. It's sort of yeah. like there is a colour distinction, and I know it's just like, you know, light is good and... It, dark is is bad yeah but i guess yeah that that, that differentiation and this might be controversial to some people i don't i genuinely don't believe that i don't think it was dark being bad and and light being good and all of that history in all of cinema is derived from a racial thing no i I feel like i mean take head take star wars you know like the dark side and the light it's not a racial thing it's just dark is scary and the like the sunshine is wonderful and beautiful and nice and so that (laughs) the color palette is what i feel is the distinction and yeah i don't like i can see how it could be interpreted and that sucks 
So you feel bad for that because for people identifying that, it's like, oh shit, that's, I don't think that's. The but way I guess the interpretations come also through like what the characters are actually yeah. doing. You've got the you know, this lion kingdom, this pride, mm. their monarchy. They've got everything wonderful. Yeah. They've got this kingdom, but then they also have these outsiders, mm. these hyenas, like these other lower class animals yeah. there is who a are cla- the same, but they're not. There they're is not a class like, system, and that's yeah. something that might be worth. You know, commenting on, but in regards to a, a but like immigration, like they want to live there, but they can't because it's not theirs. Yeah. It's like they don't belong there. So it's like you can see it. You can see where the interpretation comes from. Yeah. But you know what? It's a movie about these lions and the hyenas are the bad guys. Yeah. What ifs? <laughs> well, I mean, I'm happy to hear more about it. I just, yeah, I just didn't identify it. I mean, there's, there's other there's other movies made around the same time that definitely have more of a mm. a, a very clear racial divide. But this was more about tone, I felt. Yeah. So, and which I can see with a racial racist lens, and then a not. This is more just the good guys versus the bad guys, right? And unfortunately, society in like determines evil and like good and bad with light and dark, and there's nothing we can do about it. Oh, it's just an easy illustration. Yeah. So, lastly, lastly, uh, we have touched on this already, but there is uh, just in regards to the connotations of fascism. Um, the film's been criticised for advancing a bit of a fascism narrative um, in regards to the portrayal of the Lion Kingdom and the circle of life where only the strong and the beautiful triumph and the powerless survive only by serving the strong. Yeah, okay, cool. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I mean, it's definitely got the fascism tones, the fascist tones in regards to the, you know, goose-stomping Nazi-esque... Yeah, hyenas. Like this is definitely backed up by that yeah. song. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess on a story point, it's like again, like you've got your monarch character, like the characters are part yeah. of this monarchy, and then you've got these characters who are opposed to that monarchy. Mm. Even though Scar, you know, wants to be king, but it's like it's more the position he wants. He doesn't actually want to be a king, so he can lead and rule mm. and be a more successful leader. He thinks he's better. He he feels entitled to it. He wants to lead, I guess, like a dictator, mm. and it's what he does when he is yeah. in charge and. Everything is his rule. He, he has no discussions with anyone yeah. else. It's just, I'm the king now. I'm the ruler. Yeah, yeah like a dictator. Yeah, so, I mean, but it's not like this movie is selling, you know, fascist viewpoints and saying, oh, there's a better way. Mm. It very much puts any sort of connotations like that as a negative. Yeah, because it's not, it's not celebrated. Not celebrated at yeah. all. I don't think. I think that it is definitely intentional. <laughs> That there is like fascist undertones. I think so. Yeah, like this one. I'd say, but that's also because the world generally looks at those kind of things in a very negative light, and so you can make a negative story arc by incorporating that feel. But I like in a way, like I don't think it's a like a it should be criticized for doing this. I think it's one of the strengths of the movies is that it's using a real world mature context i guess and bringing it into yeah. a family friendly animated feature film yeah to differentiate you know like you're good and you're bad and you're yeah. having your and it's like kids aren't reading into it like that and that's no. that's what the point is at the end of the day it's like there's no subliminal mind warping sort of thing it's just it's something for the adults if we understand it and you get it and go oh yeah that's cool that's mm-hmm. creative well there you go but uh, criticisms. So, yeah, not yeah. everyone's pleased. Not everyone's liking. pleased, but um, based on the Rotten Tomatoes, remember, it's like 93% of people are happy with it. So, so yeah, this is 7% crit- 
criticised. Absolutely. Yeah. Alright, let's get let's get into some favourite or worst moments. Sounds um, like a good way to wrap up, eh? Before we do our quiz break. Um, so, me, worst moments, like, I've already touched on this, one of the things, the gripes I've got, generally speaking, is the pacing. So, um, I feel like it's over before you know it, and it transitions from first act to third act just too quickly. But that's me as an adult, as a kid, didn't even notice it, had no idea. <laughs> so if you're talking about the worst moments, like well, worst elements, that's probably my worst element. Moment-wise, I think the Be Prepared sequence was just kind of my least favourite. It's still very enjoyable. Very catchy song. But, <laughs> but it's, my, it's my least favourite. My favourite is the Can You Feel the Love Tonight sequence, the entire sequence. So I and said, Nala's sexy eyes. So Nala's sexy eyes because it's a human expression. It's not an animal. <laughs> but that that's definitely it. Like it is. It's a. There's a. Well, it's one of the elements of it. You're looking at, when you're watching it. You're like, it's a very intimate moment shared by two characters, yeah. and they're freaking cartoon animals. But it's still a realistic depth. Like there's you're depth into it. it. Like yeah, yeah, you're it's like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's convincing. But it's not just that. One of the other things about that whole sequence is the book ending by Timon and Pumbaa, they're genuinely upset that they're about to lose a friend. Mm. They're a little bit selfish about it because they're like, you know, he's going to leave us for this, this, all of this that's coming. You know, he's doomed. He's about to shack up with a girl. He's doomed. It's a little bit... But, but you're also like, oh, they've gone through so much. They've gone through years of and life together. And I guess, together. as we mentioned, it's like they do rush that. Yeah. But they sell it to you. Like, yeah. you understand, oh, you know, they have been together yeah. for... A really long time. Yeah. So it's like, now Nala coming back and trying to get Simba mm. to go back. Like That would shake up their dynamic, yeah. their trio that they have. And Can the, you believe that their trio is fundamentally there and they're a unit? Yeah. And they, um, yeah, absolutely. And the, uh, the, the, tr- the transitions between singers, so you start off with Nathan Lane and um, Thingo, or Timon and Pumbaa, um, <laughs> 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 uh, singing, you know, I can see what's happening. What? They, they don't, don't have, have a clue. A clue. Who? And they'll then, fall in love. Here's the bottom here's line. Here's the bottom line. That trio's down to two. Oh. But, um, <laughs> the sweet so, trio's of Tokyo's yeah, <laughs> But it goes through, and then you get that beautiful vocal number by the, the duet, yeah. which is sung beautifully, and then it finishes with, with Tim and, and Pumba. <laughs> but they're like, they're upset. And so you finish with the lines, you finish on a high part, like they're, they're connecting and it's beautiful, and then you see the sorrow. It comes with the friends, <laughs> yeah, and then it wraps completely, and and it's like it's just a little. They moment still have fun of, with it because it's like you know yeah. they cry, but it's like yeah. you're laughing because it's like oh they're goofballs, like they're sad, but it's you know it plays for laughs yeah. as well. So you know yeah you get a lot of up and down with the emotion there it, in just one little sequence. It's really amazing. So that's my yeah. favorite in the movie. That's so I guess my it's favorite your favorite song, your favorite yeah. sequence. Yeah. yeah. What's yours? I mean, oh, look, I mean, I think a lot of people would go to the Mufasa scene and say. Oh yeah, I want to avoid that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, soul crushing every time when when Simba puts try, like puts Mufasa's hand over him, like like mate, he's dead. Yeah, you know, and it's not he pulls him. his ear just the same it's way he does him. when he's asleep. It's not Simba trying to. Yeah, I think he gets to a point where it's like it's not him trying to wake him up anymore. I think he yeah. realizes he just wants a hug mm. from his dad. Yeah, and it's like stop it, Simba. It yeah. hurts. So, I mean, Gosh. of course, every time, even now, like I said, don't cry, but I mean, I feel it. I yeah. feel it and I believe it. But I mean, there's so many moments in this movie that is just enjoyable. And I mean, I know we have bagged on the, the pacing because it is quick. But I mean, on the other on the other hand, it's like, it is quick. Mm. Things keep 
moving. There's not a dull... It's purpose. It's not a dull, boring moment. And yeah, it's, it's to keep the kids entertained, but it's like, as an adult as well, it's like, well, this train, this ride, like this movie keeps going. So there's scene after scene of wonderful moments, wonderful characters, mm. um, moments with Rafiki, even though there's not many of them. But you know, sometimes there's quiet moments, sometimes there's goofy moments. You get a lot of it. Mm. There's um, one shot in particular, like when Simba is chasing Rafiki. Yeah. And it goes through, like, he's going through, like, the bushes, and, mm. and it's like the camera's moving, and it's like, whoa, is this 3D? This is great. Mm. And again, when I watched it in 3D, that was amazing. Oh, oh my God. Well, it's multiple layered, like, but, um, and that, that's, was actually, it. It was, that's it was, actually a reverse of him when he's lead, when he's running away, he's going through the thorns, mm. and he's dumping and you know, diving, and it's kind of like a, in a way, from a character development point of view, it's him going back against all of that and yeah. fighting against what his decision. It's like a metaphor, but anyway. Um, I would love to see that in 3D. Cool. I think. I mean, I think you can get like the Blu-ray on 3D, and you can watch it if you've got, got all Samsung with the 3D glasses. So oh, there you go. You get watch it. Watch Jurassic Park once a year. Um, can I just come over and just? Watch? Do you only have one pair of glasses? I got two. I got two. Oh mate, let's let's go now. Let's <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we have to leave everybody. Bye bye. Um, um, so, what was your favourite though? Other, other than the the Mufasa death, it can't. It can't I can't really say that's your favourite. Like there, there is literally so many. But you know, as much as I don't like the fact that it does move so quickly during that Hakuna Matata song mm. but the transition of them walking across I mean I'm wearing a t-shirt where they're literally yeah. walking across that log the silhouette the the changing size of Simba like just yeah. that moment like it's a beautiful shot with the music fun song yeah. and it's like that's like the peak of energy of the movie yeah as, so as much as on one hand I'm like, oh yeah, it is bad that we do have that time jump and it's a, the montage works. Yeah. And so I do like that as a visual scene and mm. and I think a lot of people would say the Simba, Timon and Pumbaa trio dynamic is a highlight of the movie. So yeah, yeah anything with that, um, when they're laying around looking at the stars, you know, yeah. there's lots of gags that they have there. Um, <laughs> you know, there's actually there's so much I can't I really can't put anything else up above you know like it's a lot of it's just all on par so yeah, yeah. it's well, one of those things there you go well I think it's now now time to have our little bit of our quiz break what do you reckon I will say yes you will say <laughs> yes so as we as you know what we do 10 questions 60 seconds this time round I'm quizzing Rob absolutely and we're ready to go now who does Scar tell life's not fair to a mouse correct where does young Simba say he's taking Nala Watering hole. Watering hole? Correct. What animal sits on Zazu? Uh, rhino. Correct. What does Shenzi call Zazu? Uh, stooge. I'll take it's it. Stooge. Correct. Yeah. What word makes Banzai, one of the hyenas, shudder? <laughs> Mufasa. Mufasa. <laughs> Correct. What animal does Simba practice his roar on? A rhino bug? No. A chameleon. Correct. After his first taste of a grub, Simba says, slimy yet... Satisfying. Correct. What does Pumba tell the hyenas to call him? Uh, Mr. Pig. Correct. How many <laughs> times does it rain in the movie? Oh, God. Don't know. Once. Incorrect. What is the final spoken word? Oh, I don't know. Can you remember? It's remember. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Mate, oh, that was... There, there you go. Pretty good. I was like, damn, you're going to get 10 out of 10. So the last spoken word is remember. The last spoken word is a very quiet remember through the clouds. 
Remember. So it's it's is it's, it? Yeah, because it's um after Scar's been defeated, yeah. it's starting. I, th- I think it's starting to rain. Yeah. Um, Simba's walking up Pride Rock. Yeah. And the, the clouds are crackling, and yeah. it's just my father saying, remember. And uh, Simba roars. Yeah. And then after yeah, that, everyone else roars. And, and then, after that, there's no dialogue. It's just. You have that final scene with the ceremony, the new baby, all yeah. that, but there's no dialogue, so the last word is remember. Yeah, okay. Um, it rains twice. Yeah, you see it earlier on. In the mo- uh, yeah, it's kind of more of a start of the thing. Yeah, yeah, the start of the movie, and then later on to clean up the fire that that lightning. Yeah started just for atmosphere yeah absolutely. um you got everything else man um, what does shenzi kozazu specifically like the king stooge mufasa's little, little stooge, stooge but yeah. you had stooge or little stooge so i, I gave it to yeah. you amazing they call me mr pig yeah man everything yeah nine out of ten cool nice one. no eight out of ten eight out of ten yeah damn right <laughs> um, alright well that's quiz break that was uh, 10 questions in 60 seconds let's do our rating Jason I'm going to go first okay I'm going to be really quick on this yep. one like I said pacing a little bit of an issue not really that much uh, this movie I have a little special part in my heart for this one <laughs> especially the songs I have to admit I have all of these songs on my Spotify playlist I listen to them quite often um, even even bloody be prepared as well I feel in light of the research and a little bit of the extra controversy about Kimber and all that stuff, I mean that's put me offside a little bit. I'm like, oh, you buggers! How has how has this how has this happened without me knowing? Um, but is anything to... original now? That's the question you should ask yourself before well, you give your number. <laughs> and even, even movies that they say are original potentially are not. Yeah, so that makes me a little bit miffed about the whole thing. But the movie itself, it still holds up perfectly. Like we said, this is the pinnacle of 2D animation. It doesn't get it doesn't get better than this. This is it. Um, it will never be surpassed. Music-wise, oh, you can't you can't fault it really. Elton John's so damn amazing. <laughs> Zimmer's score is incredible. I'm so excited to see the new one because I want to hear Zimmer do a fresh take on all of this. And Elton John was back as well, so I want to kind of and Elton Tim John, Rice. Elton John, well, and Tim Rice, yeah. But once the words are written, they're written, aren't they? There's a new song, mate. Oh, of course. Um, <laughs> but Two yeah, new songs actually, I think. Okay. Well, anyway, so I have to look. I, I feel very strongly about this movie, even though it's got its minor faults. I see the reason for them. This is definitely something. It's got to be a four point five. I'll take it. Yeah, it's up there. I'll take yeah. it. Yeah. Cool. It means you can't rate any other Disney movie a five. Then <laughs> this is the best. Well, <laughs> no, but by entertainment value, some of them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. No, that's fine. No, that's all good. I'll take it. Um, I'm not going to play games. Very quick. Um, this <laughs> is the bar for Disney traditional animation. Teasing movies, even. Come on. Um, yeah, the music, the voice acting, the animation, the emotion, the feelings. Did I say the music? <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, even the criticism on the on the pacing. Look, because it doesn't actually detract the movie in any way, it still succeeds mm. with that. It's just something I would want. Mm. I can't detract from it. Um, so no joke of course this is a five once again from me wow. I feel like I'm handing them out like crazy recently but just, we've just picked a couple of brilliant movies I, it, it doesn't help when we keep doing these really the good movies <laughs> the best movies that have ever been released yeah we got to do some shit ones at some point I reckon <laughs> oh they're coming they're coming they're coming so of course five out of five 
um, for The Lion King. There we go. Nice one. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that was our rewind to 1994, The Lion King. We hope you have enjoyed this episode of Rewind and Review. As always, we'll remind you that any feedback, either positive or negative, or any rewind requests can be sent to us via email at thatfilmsyoupodcast at gmail.com. Yep. Uh, or you can reach us um, on either That Films Drew or Rewind and Review's Facebook pages. Like and follow these pages while you're, at, while you're there. Subscribe and leave us a review on SoundCloud and iTunes as it does help others like yourself find the podcast. Absolutely. That Film's True has a website where you can find our entire catalogue of episodes. There are 34 of them now. Um, check it out. It's thatfilmstruepodcast.com. 34 of ours and then... I don't care about the others. Fair. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I do. We are a very friendly podcast family. What? Oh. <laughs> Remember, remember to continue. (laughs) Remember who you are. Continue. Remember to continue. (laughs) On with the second part of this podcast double by joining Luke and myself on that film studio as we give our review on the new photorealistic CGI live action remake, whatever you want to call it, of The Lion King. Hmm. Um, I'm going for the worst segue here. (laughs) So bear with me. We just did The Lion King. Yeah. Lion King, Lord Ring, Lord of the Rings, <laughs> the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Well done. On the 29th of July, we will be celebrating the 65th anniversary of the release of the first Lord of the Rings book. Yeah. Um, as we always say, we always find a way. Mm-hmm. And in celebration, we'll be rewinding to 2001 to look at the Lord of the Rings, the Fellowship of the Ring. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh, it's going to be a good one. Um, thank you all for listening. This has been another episode of Rewind and Review. We'll see you on our next trip. Please rewind this cassette before returning it to your video library. Um, lastly, though, yep. we already touched on it a little bit, but the fascism, 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 yeah, fascism, <laughs> the fascism, yeah, <laughs> I can't say it, man, fascism, can you do it? <laughs>